You're listening to Green Business with Impact. Your host is Jasper Steinhausen. Hi, and welcome to the podcast. My guest today is Eric Sue Peterson from Ecoterra. Eric is chief commercial officer and is co-owner of the company. Ecoterra is one of those companies that you probably don't know but that makes your everyday life work better as they provide the equipment to fiber optic internet connections. So perhaps you even have their products in your office or in your home. Eric was one of the business leaders in a full session I conducted for one of those executive networks that I often speak at. He asked some good questions and had interesting points, so I invited him onto the podcast and happily he accepted. So let's hear what Eric shared with me that day. Let's get a bit closer to uh, to Ekaterina and you know who are you actually? What is it more precisely that you do? Yeah, so so we we were founded um, at the point of time where everybody was talking about they wanted to put fiber out in the ground to provide internet. Um, what what in Denmark was called the the hybrid network, hybrid net, and. Um, and we were founded with a customer project where we delivered first to um, to some Danish customers. And what we found out that we could do was that we could provide a differentiated solution. So basically, we could customize a solution to those to to a Danish customer, which, if you look at it on a global scale, is a small customer. It's not the size of British Telecom, Deutsche Telekom, or that buys millions of units every year. Uh, Danish customers are per se, because of the size of the country, a smaller customer, but we were able to provide a tailored solution to a smaller customer and still make um, a good business out of that. And that's that's basically what we're trying these days is to expand that beyond Denmark. Um, and, and what we see is that customizability, so making tailored products and and I was talking about the recycled plastic as one of the elements of of uh, customization. We see that as something where we basically can differentiate ourselves in the markets, where we compete against big providers like Huawei, Nokia, uh, some some places Cisco. So some of some global providers that clearly have much more leverage than we do. Um, they have made more economies of scale than we do. But on the other hand, we have the ability to make something very unique for a customer, even though the customer doesn't buy those millions of units every year. So we see a good space for ourselves in, you could say, in the European market and maybe at some point in time beyond the European market. Interesting. Yeah, well, there are lots of examples of companies like you that you know you can maneuver so much faster. So it might be that you're competing mm-hmm. up against some of the very big players, but your advances is the fact that you that you can come up with something a lot faster and easier and and better connected to where we are going um, and and sort of the the expectations of the marketplace. Um, why is it actually you do what you do? Sort of, you have a purpose statement or something like that. Why why are you here? You could say the vision for the company is that we want to provide better connected living um, to basically the customers of uh, our customers. And what I mean by that is um, we are not in retail. We are uh, providing to what we call network provider and internet service providers. We are providing products to them. 
But we believe that the way they can differentiate and win market share is if we provide them with products that uh, that give them better connected living. Uh, that hasn't much to to, to do with sustainability, but, but you could say the, the, the part, when we talk about the, the sustainability part is um, these type of products have a tendency to stay longer in the home. Because once you have a good solution, you, you don't want to mess with it. So you actually stay with the same provider and you keep the equipment you have as long as it fulfills your needs, fulfills your needs. Do you feel that there is a growing uh, demand or expectations for sustainability in from from you as a company, uh, or do you expect that that's gonna you know be a, a stronger factor in winning clients, say in the next? I don't know, two to three years or something? Yeah, I, I think maybe two, three years is too short um, a period. Um, we, we, we actually won a few projects in Sweden um, five, six years ago, and they, they have a, what they call a chemical tax. And, and uh, the, the, the idea with a chemical tax is to get products in that are recyclable, basically. That, are, that doesn't have a heavy footprint when you need to open them and reuse them. And those standards, we actually believe that that was going to you know, go to the rest of the EU. Um, it has not happened at this point of time. But we see interest and we try to use that, you could say, in front of the other European countries that we actually comply with that um, chemical tax act that they have in Sweden because it makes sense for the companies as well that they know when they need to recycle the products and they need to do that at some point of time, mm. that they can do that, they can separate them, they can reuse the parts um, in a good way. So I think it's going to come as there will be more demand in the future on this, but it's still, you know, sorry to say, early days when it comes to electronics. Uh, thinking about how much, how much electronics we're actually using in, in Europe it's, it's kind of a pity, but it's not something we've seen flow yet beyond what, what they're doing in Sweden at this point of time. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I know for a fact that the European Union has a lot of legislative work going on around the, the, the electronic waste mm. part. So, uh, so perhaps they, again, as we've seen in plastics and other area, will be a driving force. Yeah. But we'll just have to see uh, down the line. Thank you for that. And it's actually a good transition over to, because I would like to, to dive a bit more into, you know, what have you been doing in terms of circular economy or sustainability or what sort of the headline is uh, at Ecotere? Um, it's obviously something about making sure you have long lasting quality products, uh, which is good for environment. And it's also good for the customer experience, obviously. Um, but what else have you been doing? What are the initiatives that you're talking you also briefly mentioned recycled plastics and and packaging and so could you elaborate a bit on your on, on the sort of effort you've done so far and, and or planning yeah so so you could say what we've done so far is clearly we believe that quality is an important element to it um, now we are manufacturing um, in China um, with you could say on an, on an ODM type of principle, we design the product we want to have. Um, 
And then we go out to a factory and figure out which is the right um, manufacturing site for, for our products. But we specify a lot what it is we exactly want. We're not asking them to do everything of their free will. We are very specific on the quality. And, and that's because the quality side plays a big role. And, and you could say there is a, you know, a follow-on effect of high quality, which is that the products will stay longer in the home. So that's, that's an element, but it's a little bit, now, now I'm almost seeking uh, spots um, where I can justify sustainability. But we are doing that for the purpose that we believe that then we can keep our customers longer and we will have them re, you know, keep buying our products. So it's not so much for this uh, sustainability part of it, yeah, I touched upon the, the recycled plastic, and the recycled plastic starts to play a bigger role in um, in projects we're doing. And we can actually today provide recycled plastic almost at the same cost as new plastic, um, almost at the same at the same quality. There's a little bit deterioration in the in the color over time, but I think most that seek products with recycled plastics are okay. On, on, you could say, on that, on that disadvantage. Um, so, so we see projects now coming up with recycled plastic. Um, but before that, we did other things. So uh, the first, first of all, when we designed the packaging of our products, we've always designed that in a portion of recycled um, cardboard. So basically, it, as part of the package we're delivering, it will always be partial uh, recycled um, cardboard. It's not fully recycled, but but there will always be a mix into it. Um, we are not providing products um, with any type of, um, I think it's called Flamingo, or um, we're not packaging the products in a way that makes them uh, use more space. And the reason we don't do that is, first of all, it's not needed. Um, we, we try to limit the usage of plastic um, plastic bags, um, because why put plastic into something that really can be packaged into the cardboard box? And then we try to design the box as flat as possible and with as little air as possible into the cardboard box. Do we do this for sustainability? Yeah, that's a result um, of it, but actually we do it because then we can ship more on a pallet and we can ship more economically. Um, but th again, that also has an impact on the footprint. Um, if you can package 200 units on a pallet instead of 150, um, then there's a benefit on the shipping uh, blueprint or no, not blueprint, the footprint. Uh, yeah. Of, yeah. Uh, of it. And, and we had a, a, a good case with um, a customer in Sweden that came with us to us. They they'd inherited a the design of a product from from a, from Norway, from their Norwegian, Norwegian sister company, and they wanted us to package it the same way. And we basically came back to them and said, "It's not. It's not. It, what they've done there is not great. It's uh, it, you know maybe it looks great when you think about opening it, um, and and the router is uh, very looking nice in the packaging, but there's a lot of air around it." And we, we don't actually don't believe that it's a good sustainable way of shipping it, that we can only ship 96 units. So we managed to get more than 150 units on a pallet where, where the packaging design they came with only gave less than 
uh, 100 units per pallet. Um, so that, that has an impact on cost, but definitely it also has an impact on what what footprint, uh, negative footprint you're putting on um, on your shipping. And that's interesting, Yuri, because, you know, those conversations were sort of a, a, we used to, or we just, you know, this is our, this is how we see that people want the unboxing experience. Whereas, mm. you know, some people, uh, I could speak for myself, if I unbox something that's everything is wrapped in plastic, it does mm. not equal a good unboxing experience for me. I will label the brand. I will file it as <laughs> uh, uh, it, it, that's minus in my book. Uh, so mm. I think it's interesting that you take on the discussion with them. What's it like? What how does, how does your customer react when you sort of open up such a discussion with them, and and thereby also, you know, engaging with their brand and brand experience? How is that such a a, a dialogue? going yeah it, it, the dialogue needs to be not that they're doing everything wrong but that we've looked at what they're provided and we have a suggestion on how to do it and then of course we we also follow on on the fact that we can there's actually another benefit from it so we're trying to give the same unboxing experience but um, more in a green with a green angle on it so, so that they feel not that we're taking the unboxing experience away, because that is something in many cases some that marketing has defined, and and you shouldn't go and challenge marketing on that part. Um, but but a, a good a bit of good sense uh, put into that discussion basically makes people move in the right direction. And and I have to say that all of those discussions we've had never come out in something negative where where they come back and said, no, no, it needs to be this way because we've decided so. They see the logic behind it. And as long as you pre- present something that is not, you know, a completely, um, you could say, wrong customer experience, um, obviously it cannot be that you put it into a box that the customer can hardly, you know, figure out how to open. Then uh, you, you, need to, you need to think about the experience as part of it but but the logic in making you know not having too much air into the box um, is something everybody can understand. Exactly, um, there's a there's a direct business cost ex- reduction uh, part exactly. of it. It's it's interesting, and, and I mean, you say of course we are not destroying or not focusing on making the unboxing worth. I would say for some uh, of the market, what you do is actually you improve it. Right? Like mm-hmm. I said, but if it was me, it will. It will mean it will be a better unboxing experience. Just for uh, our curiosity, do you actually have any uh, studies uh, or anything you've done yourself uh, about the consumer's unboxing experience and what they expect in terms of sustainability plastic and you know what sort of what the trend is? Do you have anything there that you sort of push? towards your clients in, into that debate or is it more like a common sense and then the economic argument about cutting costs? It's more the latter. Okay. We, we haven't done any studies on it. We've not done any, you could say, um, yeah, the, those type of scenarios where you ask people to come in from the outside to open things. But again, we are, we are constantly trying to improve this. We had, when I started in the company, the, the unit was packaged in plastic that's now away. Um, the, the power supply 
you see many vendors where the power supply comes packaged into a plastic bag. We don't have that. Um, there are some cables, you know, that packaged into plastic. We don't do that. And so we, we're trying to reduce, and this is not for the economic. This is really because it doesn't make sense to package everything in, in plastic. And as you say, cons- consumers actually see that as a negative if everything is, is, uh, is in different bags. Because we've learned that that plastic ends up, in many cases, the wrong places. So we don't want to transport plastic across the ocean for it to end up in the ocean in the end. So I think a lot of things has happened in that in over the last five years, and and uh, and we've tried to adopt to that. Another thing that we try to do um, to basically recycle, and I would call this uh, recycled economy, is that we have a service that we offer to all of our customers. Not all of them take it, but where when a customer of theirs uh, change in an internet provider, usually they will return the equipment to the provider. Now, that equipment needs to be tested. It, it needs to be updated, maybe repackaged, um, and maybe even cleaned because it's been in a place where it may, might have taken, you could say, color because somebody has been smoking, smoking in the home or it has dust around it and so forth. So basically what we do is we take all of these units, we look at them, we test them, where we repackage them into the same boxes as, as they came into when they originally was shipped. And then we ship them back to the customers and they actually use them for new customers of theirs. Um, of course, we evaluate if, if it's so scratched, if the unit is so scratched, it cannot be uh, reused. Or if the for some reason it doesn't work anymore, then we basically get rid of it for the customer. Um, in of course, in a in a good in an environmental way, you know, separating the plastic from the electronics and so forth. But we have customers that use this, and they can turn this around for less than a third of what a new unit will cost. So it makes good economical sense for our customers to do it. Um, but it definitely also is real, you could say, true recycled um, economy. As long as the product is current, um, it's, it should, it's not an issue for, for any of the end users. Okay, I'll just leave the interview here for a second. Um, because it's interesting, Eric here has mentioned a couple of things, a couple of times where on initiatives they have done, uh, that actually saves money for the for the customer. And it's very common. There are lots of examples of, of businesses where you can see that taking circular or sustainable initiatives and implementing them actually means lower costs uh, and lower environmental footprint at the same time. So, so there are good examples of win-win and, and it's so crucial that you take that knowledge and extract it and share it with your customers because how could they know? So whether it's about saving on plastics and packaging or making it smarter, whether it's on the product side or improving the quality and thereby meaning that that the customers can have the product in a longer period of time, have a better, well, more functioning uh, internet in this case or whatever it is, be sure to sort of be on the looks outlook for what are what type of solutions do we have that are good for business and 
good for the environment and extract that because quite often you will find that there's a lot of the things that you do that will be beneficial on those agendas. So let's stick to the results for a while here. What have you, you know, what are the results you have so far and, and what are you expecting going ahead? I mean, can you already see, have you had a, uh, a drop in your cost of buying the plastics, for instance, for all your packaging, or and, and you mentioned something about shipping, and and here are some examples of cost cutting for your clients. So, do we have sort of specific business and environmental results that you that you could sort of share here? It, it's it's a good point. We actually we haven't sat down and done the calculation of how much is it that we've saved or how much is it that we've reduced um, the footprint we are generating over the years. That's that's not a, you could say, it's not, it's not a calculation we've done. What, where we are trying to, um, and actually it, it's come up as, you could say, something we could really calculate upon is we, we're trying to ship everything we can by sea. And that, and and when it doesn't, when we cannot do sea, we do rail, um, now, the future is going to show if you can actually do rail through Russia within the next months from now, uh, given where we are. But we do rail or sea as the primary uh, form of transport. Unfortunately, the whole logistics crisis or the the situation the world is, is in right now sometimes make air as the only possible solution to get the goods forward in due time. Um, and that's something we will focus on uh, in the short um, you could say in, in this, a short time period to actually calculate the the you could say the CO two impact on the various forms of transport because we want to push as much as we can towards sea, um, but it requires our customers to plan better ahead, um, and I think this is one of the areas where it can actually get customers to plan better ahead if they can see that they have a a lower carbon footprint on the transport form that they end up doing. It's, it's of course, also much cheaper for them, but in some cases they just want to make sure they get the goods in time so they actually pay additional costs, but it is with an additional uh, pressure on, on CO2. It, it's interesting that you say that you haven't sort of done the done the math yet, um, and and I, I you know I, I meet lots of examples of that. Uh, that you know, actually, we haven't really looked at what kind of results are we creating. But let's just say that you had. What do you think? What kind of value would that give you in your dialogue with customers to be able to say like you know we have we save other customers for X amount of euros because of these solutions we save you x amount of uh, co2 or whatever it is that you, you choose to do what what do you think that would be what would that do to your dialogues in terms of uh, sales meetings and 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 your marketing i think it would have an, a positive impact unfortunately i don't think it at this point of time would make us win more customers um and and I, I have to say that in the way that we are always being evaluated on price. Um, we're always being in a competitive situation where people are looking to how much money can they save um, by doing uh, certain things. Now, 
I started by saying we're differentiating ourselves. So I think it plays a role in the full picture. Um, we are we are putting currently we only have it you could say as one section of um, of uh, our you could say our, our company presentation where we talk about what we're doing. Um, but I think it will play a bigger role in the future, definitely. And and we will probably see we've seen that in in certain countries that there is a requirement that we recycle plastic is being used that the footprint is low that you have um, you could say electronics as part of what you're providing that is that's basically manufactured under uh, in ways that you can recycle it and so forth so we're starting it to see a bigger play a bigger bigger role we say if it was something we believed that we could really sell more products on at this point of time we would probably have put more emphasis into it. Unfortunately, I don't think we're there yet, but but there's no doubt that this will not do it. There's no harm in doing it, um, and be, being more specific. I think that makes a lot of um, makes a lot of sense. Um, in China and transporting them to Europe, that in itself um, is in quotes negative, um, but at least the way we see it, and our biggest excuse for that is. All electronics, in some way, starts in China. So you need to you need to transport goods from China anyhow. Um, we just happen to do it in the most efficient way we can think of, which is to do the manufacturing in China and then transporting it to to Europe. And it's also a matter of you know how big a part of the overall footprint of the product taking the that the, it's produ- producing it, transporting it, and then having it operating including it as its energy use and your, your, your focus on having a long lifetime for the actual product and so on. So how big a portion of that is actually transportation? That's also an interesting question to have an answer to, um, to sort of give, give the right perspective. Um, and, 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 it would, and it would be interesting to, to make that calculation because um, actually when you think about a product that in some cases sits eight, 12 years in, in a, in, people's home, because most of the fiber termination equipment will sit for that long. Um, if you can reduce just, you know, one watt um, out of the consumption of power onto it, maybe that's the biggest um, impact you can make on the product. You know, without without doing any calculations on a back of a napkin or anything here, but I would say it's not uncommon for a product like yours that the transportation, especially done by by shipping is a fairly small part of the overall product. And especially also because, you know, a, a footprint of a, of electronics is slightly large. There are lots of energy and, and materials going into actually producing the product. So, so, but, but yeah, do the math. It might be interesting. Okay. I'm going to jump in here again, because this is a crucial point. Um, Eric says that they currently haven't, done the calculations on the savings they have or on the environmental impact that, that, that their initiatives have. This is increasingly becoming important. People are expecting uh, that you are capable of telling them, you know, what are you doing and what results does it create? And especially if you are to go out and sort of start using sustainability more in your marketing and in your sales meetings, then it becomes really, really crucial because this is where you 
that gives you credibility and it's also how you avoid ending up in uh, claims of greenwashing. So be sure to to sort of follow up on your initiatives and, and define and calculate what are the impacts in terms of environment and financial at least uh, so that you can use that actively in your sales and marketing. And with that said, let's get back to the conversation with Eric. What would be sort of your key learnings? I mean, if you were to, again, think about here, the people that are listening to this are leaders sitting here saying, okay, I need to react. We're getting, we want to step up our game. What's, if you should sort of say, here's a couple of key learnings that we have made. Um, what kind of advice or could you give them for their journey? Yeah, I would say that one of the obvious ones is the one, um, don't fear to challenge the customer on stuff like packaging, um, uh, how you basically um, put, you could say, the, the final product together. Um, because people have many ideas because they believe that that is the right thing, um, that, that a product looks in a certain way that when it's getting unpackaged. But as we design the physical product, us designing the packaging as well makes a lot of sense. Um, and I would never accept that somebody comes and says, you, you, sh you know, we, we want to do it this way because we always do it this way. At least I would do the calculation in front of them. And I think that's an easy thing, not in a negative way, but in a positive way. That, that would be one, my, my first point, that I would never be afraid of that discussion with the customer. The second, the second point I think is that that's important is when you when you take products to market and you want to make sustainable solutions around them, you only always need to look to the economy. I think it's the economy that drives the right solutions, and that could be right or wrong. But um, we would never add cost to a product just to make it look green. Um, we would always try to package it in a way where the customer benefit also was the economical situation or economical equation of what they're uh, what they're looking for. Because um, there are few companies out there that just want to be green to be green. They they all they want to you know have a green yeah, profile, but it can never be compensated by a huge cost up. So we're always trying to compensate in a way where it's a small cost stop for a, a large, uh, you could say, green benefit, in quotes. Um, that's what we're trying to focus around. And then the third point is um, we actually never thought of this refurbishment uh, solution where we basically take the products back and repackage them as something that was sustainability. Um, it was something where the customers could get uh, the products turned around for a third of a new product, so that was the benefit. But, but when you then think about what the real true impact is of it, it's it actually comes as a as a very positive side effect. So sometimes there are areas you're doing something you're you're not even thinking about um, that you're doing that are circular uh, economy, and and I have to admit that that is maybe the easiest way to get some benefits out of it to think about what it is you're doing and then and basically evaluating doesn't this have a positive effect on the circular economy 
Um, so it comes a little bit behind, or and you could say after the fact, but it's still a, a, a positive circular economy effect. Very much so. And there are lots of examples of that in, in, in different companies. So, so I think you are spot on there, uh, Eric. Um, okay, well, what's then your current focus and what's the challenges? I mean, what is it that you would really like to succeed with in the next, say, 12, 18 months or something that you find is a bit of a challenge? Yeah, I, I think the, the challenge is still that the recycled plastic is not something a lot of customers are asking for. And I think that's very unfortunate. There's there's a lot of focus around how cheap can we make a product or how much can we cut cost or reduce cost. Um, because in the end, when one of our customers buy the product, they are basically renting it out to a um, to a to a, cust- a customer of theirs for a period of time. And the, the higher cost they have at this initially, the, the less money they make on what um, what they are uh, basically the, the the future income they have on on their customers, and I think it's it's a little bit um, bad that there is not a requirement from customers that from in, from the end users that what they put up in their home actually um, it comes from re because they recycle stuff. It could be the cardboard box or it could be the physical product. Um, I think that's a pity. Um, and we want to push that much more in the future, that this recycle thing, um, that that's actually a customer benefit. And it's something that they can use in front of their, in, in front of their customers. So I think that's the one thing. The, the other thing is um, when we put electronics into a home, it really makes a big difference if you put one, two, three, or four different devices. And there's a tendency um, in, um, in in today's internet economy, you could say, or internet solutions, that people say, ah, I'll just buy another unit. I'll buy a repeater uh, or another mesh unit to cover my home. And and the, obviously, the more electronics you connect to uh, to the wall in your home, the more your you're basically um, you could say needs to manufacture more electronics, um, but you're also consuming more power. If you have a unit in every, if you have a Wi-Fi unit in every room in your home, obviously you're going to consume more power than if you have one or two units in total to cover the home. So that's one of the things we want to push even more moving forward. It's, it's part of what we're trying to do and, and sell to the service providers that it's easier for them to administer when they only when they have fewer units in the home. But I actually think the, 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 the result of it is also that we consume less power than if you plug in something in every home to get a good connection. And Eric, does that mean that, that your product has a, a stronger or more powerful Wi-Fi unit in it, so you don't need all those enhancement functions? Or is that sort of your trick? Or, or yeah, it oh, is. Uh, okay, yeah. yeah. All right. So, so that that's exactly the point. We we are trying to, the solutions we are providing is more on the high end, and when you have a high end router, you can actually cover a bigger home with one router than if you have um, a, a more weak router that needs to be repeated 
into uh, the room. So it's part of our strategy on how we try to sell our products. But I think the 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 again uh, a follow on effect of that is as you put you you only have one unit to put up, you can actually benefit from less power consumption in the home um, because you don't need all of these they're called mesh devices. Um, or, or, or Wi-Fi repeaters um, that people are looking for because they they have a cover uh, an area of their home where they don't have good internet coverage, so they try to compensate by buying more electronics. Okay, I'm stepping in again here. Um, Eric has a really crucial point here that very often it it's so that some of the initiatives that you already do most likely not because of sustainability or circular economy, but because it makes sense or because this is a way where you can save money or make it easier, make the product better, solve an environment, a business problem either for yourself or for your for your customer. Very often, if you look at it through the lenses of circular economy, you will find that it fits right in. Um, and, and once you start looking at that, it means you can get a better and more coherent story about what you do. And it also means that you might ask yourself, what else could I do? That again will have both an environmental and, and, and business-wise uh, bring value to me or to, to my clients. So have a look at what you already do and see if through the lenses of circular economy, through the lenses of sustainability, and see, you know, are there any stories here that I'm not harvesting? Is there any value that I'm not bringing to my clients? And remember, all your clients are also looking for solutions because everybody increasingly realizes we have to do something on sustainability. And perhaps our clients are starting to ask. So if you have part of a solution, do bring it to the table. Okay, let's get back to Eric. Well, I'd like to end with a question that, again, is a back into the helicopter view here. Um, so asking you, you know, what's your vision or where do you think, what's going to be the role of business in general, not just you, but in general, in transitioning to a more sustainable future? Yeah, I think, I think that we are in the, you could say, the, the industry of people um, buying electronics for some level of a, Experience, an experience, an electronic experience, and um, you know, people, people wanting to, uh, you know, watch videos, see YouTube, uh, watch TV, um, and um, and be on, on on social media, and I think the the difficult thing for many customers is that all of these things we do um, actually has a negative footprint of the on the earth, but what we can see is by providing our solutions with fiber, uh, turning off copper, um, getting, you could say, good coverage in homes with fewer devices, that there is actually a possibility of at least reducing in some of the elements of what you're providing. Um, so that that's one thing we see as if we want to um, make a better, a better future world, um, we can actually provide some areas where customers are you know, basically using less um, by getting and getting a better solution. So that's, I think that's one element of how we see the future um, moving forward. 
But I also see that um, by providing or by, by buying products that provide a good solution, your um, your need to change them um, is reduced. And, and therefore, getting the right solution from the start um, has a lot of benefits because then you will let it stay in your home and until it simply cannot run anymore or because it breaks, because unfortunately electronics breaks as well. Um, and, I, and I think in, in many ways that hidden electronics we're talking about is not something people look to exchange. They might want to have the new iPhone uh, they might want to have a new TV at some point of time because they can get 4K, 8K, 16K um, onto it. But as long as the internet connection works well and they, they have a good sustainable um, solution there, um, that's something they don't want to touch. Um, and I see that as one of the things we can market ourselves on as well, that we are providing actually more sustainable solutions because we provide solutions that can sit in the home for a longer period of time. So would it be fair to say that, that that you think if businesses can provide long-lasting quality products, then you know then there is a, a strong role for business in general, not just you, but uh, to secure to making this transition to a more sustainable com- uh, society. Um, yeah, I think so, absolutely, and 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 I think that that we we can do that. Um, in a way where we actually provide solutions to our customers that gives them a good economy. Because if they can, if their electronics, the electronics they need to be able to provide their service, if that can sit, let's say, six years in the home instead of four, um, then they they actually make more money. But um, but the, the 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 side effect of that is clearly that they also um, the impact, the negative impact of putting electronics into the home is also reduced. Well, I think that's a great where uh, spot to end on. Um, so, so with that, uh, Eric, I will really uh, thank you for your time and your input and for sharing your thoughts and the part of the, the journey that you've already been on and, and what you're looking into in the future. Um, it's been really, really interesting to, to dive more into Ikutera and, and your, your role, uh, in society and in the green transition. So thank you so much for your time. And uh, for the listeners, uh, I'll see you in another episode. Thank you, Esma. You've listened to Green Business with Impact. You can get more insight on how to create circular business on bwimpact.com. If you want to get in touch, you are very welcome to connect with Jasper on LinkedIn just type in Jasper Steinhausen. If you have questions, comments or suggestions for future podcast episodes, please contact Jasper, J-S, at bwimpact.com.